Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hello, Austin. What's up, Austin? Austin, we've got beautiful people here in Austin. I got. I got to say, they've got a wonderful assortment of beer right out of the gate. Local beer, local Shinerbach. And how does it compare to some of the other cities you've been to this as far is, as the beer yeah, culture? This is much Shiner solid. Yeah, this is much better. Shinerbach, sure. yeah. There's there are other brands in there. Who's the Who's the beer guy? Like who's the aficionado of beer? Nobody. Nobody. Bourbon? Nobody drinks here at Talru. It's a drug free <laughs> environment, apparently. Joseph, what's the best beer in that fridge right now? How are you not drinking a beer? No. Oh, I like Fireman's Four. Fireman's Four is pretty solid. Oh, Fireman's okay, that's four. in there. There yeah, you go. You're here first. It's in there. So I'm Joel Cheeseman. And I'm Chad Sowash. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast, if you haven't heard us before. HR's most dangerous. more or less a weekly roundup of news, opinion uh, from the recruiting world. We also do some monthly shows. Talru is a sponsor of our show called Firing Squad. It's a bit of a short tank. For the recruiting industry, hopefully, you guys have tuned into that. If you haven't, who doesn't love listening to a startup just get their ass ripped? So when there's an audience with their CEO at the front, they act very weird. <laughs> <laughs> they don't quite know what to do. Is this the first podcast that's ever uh, presented here at the? Yes, it yeah, is. It's okay, yeah. so they don't know what the hell how to react. So we'll have to loosen them up. So keep okay. drinking, and we'll tell more dad jokes, and uh, we'll get this going. So we're well. We're joined here today by Thad. Price, fairly newly minted CEO CEO. of the organization. You're almost a year now. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah, about 10 months. So the last time we spoke to you, you had made the transition from jobs to careers to Talru. New brand. How has the new brand gone? Better than you thought? About what you thought? Tell us, give us a state of uh, Talru a year later since last time we spoke. It's been phenomenal. I mean, the move to Talru from the perspective of what we're driving for customers you know how the you know how the individual partners see us 
it's really changed, right, in so many ways. You know, in a lot of a lot of ways, you have a f there's a fixation that occurs with having a brand like Jobs to Careers. What products are you building? What products are you building to bring Jobs to Careers to people, right? And so, by redefining a brand, we can restart the story. And redefining our brand has been uh, great for us. And more importantly, restarting the story has been really focused on this kind of B2B product and, and the B2B service that we provide uh, to recruitment pro professionals. So tell us a little bit about that because I mean, starting a new brand and getting into a new segment entirely, right? Tell us about that journey. What, first and foremost, what made you say, we really have to, we, we have to change everything that's going on. Uh, and then jumping into that, that uh, nice cold water. How'd that feel? Yeah. Um, well, at first it was, you know, whenever you make a decision like this, you have to kind of, you weigh the, uh, the, the risk and benefit, right? And so it was chilly. You know, when we really looked at it originally, it was like, okay, we've got a lot of brand equity built into Jobs to Careers. It's a job search engine. You know, there are people that understand the idea of searching for jobs. How do people find jobs effectively? And from our perspective, it was, what are we, what are we really investing in? And of course, this idea of talent attraction and creating a talent attraction platform that's more efficient at helping employers reach talent was really what what drove us to this to this juncture. And so um, it's been great and we continue to drive success for customers. I think the big change that's happened in the industry in the last few years is that the right talent is out there. It's all around you. And it's up to us to help companies find that talent. And I think that's really important um, in driving everything that we do here. And speaking of talent, you guys made a commitment uh, about a year ago to bring on some, I guess I would call them heavy hitters in the recruiting industry. So talk about what that's meant to the business as well as sort of overall headcount and where you're growing and, and where you're looking at being, you know, say a year from now. Yeah, you know, we've... Uh, we've brought some amazing talent to the Tauru team, rounding out our executive team. Uh, we build our team members um, internally as well. A lot of investment here for our current team members. Uh, a number of our team members have been here over four years, over three years. They continually grow in their different roles. So that's been great for us. You know, Cindy is heading up sales and service for us with years of experience. Uh, years of experience with uh, agencies, the relationships seats. agencies, with, uh, what'd you say? She's back there in the cheap seats. She, <laughs> she kind of watches everybody. She like, like snuck in. She's, she's like the mom, anyway, making sure everyone behaves themselves. So, you know, as we engage with uh, recruitment advertising agents, it becomes very important for us to ensure that we're, you know, driving their value and driving the customer's value so that's been phenomenal for us to be able to, um, you know, provide that success. And of course, Keith's been leading up our Tauru brand and building that brand and doing some really cool stuff like having you guys here today. The so, coolest thing you've ever done. Super right? Right. Right. secret meeting, people. Super secret meeting. <laughs> so what departments have you have you sort of uh, ramped up? What, you know, a year from now, what is headcount going to look like and what departments will be the most, you know, see the most, gro yeah. most growth? We probably ramped up engineering is where we really invested heavily. So Tony leads our engineering team, um, really focused around data and how to extract value from data. How do we scale our services and infrastructure? So last year, one of the things that was so you know different for us is we were growing so fast, we really needed to invest in our infrastructure. And so we did that in the last 12 months and that's um, provided to be very successful for us in so many different ways. So, um, you know, it's great to have to be in a situation where you have to invest in your infrastructure to catch up with demand. <laughs> and that's exactly what we did last year. And it's been great to be in a situation. I mean, today we're powering over a billion 
billion job searches per month. And it all leads to that idea of, you know, how do we find the talent wherever they are and make it more efficient for employers. So that's big, but there's so much noise in this industry, right? How do you differentiate yourself? You're coming out with a new brand. I mean, that I think that makes it you know, a little bit easier because you're not going in as the same old brand and trying to say, no, we're not that anymore. So I get that. But how do you differentiate yourself now from all that noise that's out there? How do you cut through it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to think of it like this, right? Years ago, there was this idea of, and we've all heard it so many times, this idea of posting and praying, right? So people would post and pray that you receive the right applicant or the right hire. Um, you know, we like to think of it as post and produce, right? When someone invests with us and they engage in job advertising, our goal is to deliver a hire, right? It may be hard if you're looking for, you know, a, um, you know, a, a doctor in Anchorage. That's hard, right? Or in some cases, it may be hard if you're looking for a pizza delivery driver in Poughkeepsie. Hard markets, right? Uh-huh. But we give it our shot and we make sure that everything's working and everything's as, as efficient as possible. So um, I think the big thing to think about is that for years, job advertising has been this idea of a portal or a destination or brand. So, you know, I said post and a post and pray. So you post a job on a destination. That is very, very different as it stands today, right? Indeed is the world's largest job search, right? Mm-hmm. The world's largest job job search engine. And when you post, you're there, right? And people, that's that, that feels good, right? And so- it Depends on how much you're paying, but yeah. Right, that's a good point. <laughs> Cost is always one of those really interesting things. So in our world, it's how do we find the unique audiences wherever they may be? Because the idea of finding a job or attracting the right talent is bigger than a single destination or being bigger than a single site. And I think that's the value that our platform brings and helps people find and mind those audiences where they may have never looked, right? And think of, you know, probably 10 years ago, 20 years, 25 years ago, it was, you know, monster job board, you know, Super Bowl ad, yeah. all, you know, that kind of thought process, oh, yeah. right? Then you kind of had Indeed. Um, well, probably in the middle there, you had Niche, right? So you had kind of Dice and, and Niche networks. And so, you know, today people feel good that they're posting on a Niche site, right? And that it, it's going to provide a great candidate for them. And so our thought process is, is if we could take all of these audiences in one platform and bring a niche approach to talent attraction, mm-hmm. wherever that actual candidate is, we can provide a lot of value. And that's exactly how we look at Tauru and how we look at this idea of a talent attraction platform and how all the audiences are in one system. And our goal is to target those. Post and produce, Chad. Post we'll have to remember and that one. Produce. <laughs> Question about the, the branding piece, maybe internally. So, Jobs to Careers, well known as, I guess, a job posting, job board kind of brand. And then moving over to Talru, I would, you know, I think more of a technology, you mentioned platform service. Um, how is that handled internally? It's, it's obvious a different salesperson who can sell job postings and can sell technology. So how did that, how was that handled here internally and was it difficult? You know, at the end of the day, when customers engage with us, they provide a budget. So, you know, with that level of engagement, that level of investment, they want hires. That's what, that's why you invest. Outcomes. They want outcomes, yeah, right? Not clicks. That's right. Outcomes. And, and, you know, in our, in our business, it's if, if someone invests $3,000 or $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month, we should be able to provide them that outcome, right, for that level of investment. So whether it's clicks or whether it's cost per application or whatever it may be, there's the budget 
and the outcome is a higher, right? And I think that's why you see a lot of investment and a lot of companies that are going after, you know, this idea of a higher, right? Because that mm -hmm. becomes very, very interesting and important as well. So fr from your point, uh, Joel, it really hasn't changed anything that we do today because it's still an outcome-based business. And largely what happens is when customers find value, they end up investing even more. So we'll have customers that start with two or $3,000 a month, and by month six, they're increased to ten to $12,000 a month. That happens a lot, right? When you find the right customer and you focus accordingly and you provide great service. Well, that being said, taking a look at like the advertising industry, right? And then the recruiting industry, two entirely different segments. Advertising, I mean, you know, you go out and you say, I want you to target, whether it's Facebook or Google or whatever it is. I don't know where it goes. I don't care where it goes. I just want you to be able to target these types of individuals and provide outcomes, qualified leads, right? Um, are you finding that it's, it's hard from an education standpoint to be able to talk to employers because they're going to say, where's my job going? Where, where's it going? Where can I see it? Where, you know, where's it at? Versus, hey, don't worry about that. This is, this is the, the, the magic of how these systems work. And uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you get past that? Yeah, good, good question. So we were chatting about this earlier today. Um, the number one programmatic uh, advertising platform today is Google. Facebook's number two. Number three is Amazon. People don't really think of Google unless you're in the advertising business, Google, Facebook, and Amazon as programmatic you know, systems, right? But they're programmatic. And in our world, programmatic really just means being efficient, right? Are you efficiently investing my money? And are you targeting the right people? So in the advertising world, what happens is, you know, Google has signals, Facebook has signals. And from those signals, people say, I'm looking to buy a house. And then Keller Williams or other real estate companies say, I want to advertise to all those people looking to buy a house mm -hmm. because I know the audience. I know the audience of these are the people that are looking to buy a house because of signals and everything that's happening behind the scenes. So in our world, we have a billion queries a month. Well, we know the people that are actually looking for a certain type of job. We know people that are looking for retail jobs. We know that are people that are looking for cashier jobs. We know people are looking for transportation jobs. So our goal should be to target, you know, to those people that are specific to them. Is it also frequency though too? Because you know really how, how aggressive they're going after it? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Um, there are a lot of frequency is, is very interesting. It's a very interesting topic. So from our standpoint, the industry is changing. Uh -huh. We're seeing the change happen. Um, in a lot of different roles, they've actually created talent attraction roles. So in a lot of talent acquisition and HR uh, departments today, you actually will see talent attraction roles that are being created. And th in some cases, those people have a lot of experience in traditional advertising. So is it happening? Could it be happening faster? Yes. Um, but is it happening? Yes, it's, it's happening. And I think that you're going to see more and more of this thought process because our job should be there's a commitment to produce, there's a commitment to provide outcomes, mm -hmm. and our job should be to invest and spend wisely where it makes sense, where we're producing those outcomes. You mentioned uh, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, uh, which leads me to my next question. Uh, at least two of those made impact in the jobs world in a big way about two, three years ago. Uh, Google for Jobs came out. Uh, Facebook launched the ability to, to post jobs on their site as well. And we're even seeing little glimpses of, of Amazon getting into the job posting game. Talk about how those big Goliath companies have affected your business, either for good or bad. So I haven't seen any impact as it stands today. 
um, you know, I think Google has created a great opportunity where, um, you know, where folks can advertise. I think that the biggest opportunity and kind of the Trojan horse for Google is probably Google Hire, right? You know, if you think about it, that's very unique content, all of these applicant tracking systems they have. I think the last thing I remember seeing is there, it's, is it 3 million businesses use G Suite. Sweet, yes, yeah. So G Suite. these are three million people that you don't have to spend marketing dollars to, mm -hmm. mostly small businesses. And so that's very different. Today we handle mid-market and enterprise, and the conversations that we have with mid-market enterprise is definitely different than what you know Google is providing. Um, we're watching it, um, but I think that you know as I as I think of Google. Google does everything in scale, at scale, at scale. Like we, we advertise with Google, we mm. have um, account representation at Google, but would an enterprise company have account representation at Google? I'm not sure. Um, but I can tell you that we provide account representation and we provide great service. It's one of the things that provides a lot of value to our customers. So, you know, I think that it, I think that there's an, I think that it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the shift. Facebook, is really looking for probably small businesses, right? Their entire business is, is, is really built on small businesses. Trying to take a chunk out of Craigslist. Exactly. And Craigslist, right? Craigslist is a billion dollars. Billion dollars, yeah. Right? There was a recent report saying it was a billion dollars, mostly small businesses. Reported on our show, has, too. Has, has anybody seen their site lately? Because it's the same as it was like in the, the 90s. I mean, I mean, they're the smartest of them all, right? 40, 40 50 <laughs> people, right? Yeah. With, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. No investment capital. Yeah. 50 employees, a billion dollar company. Pretty good. So, yeah, it's pretty good. So back to, back to Google real quick. I mean, do you, we've seen many different job sites or, or, or vendors actually tap into Google for jobs to be able to really rejuvenate, in some cases, traffic. Have you guys been able to see traffic out of, out of that? Do you work with Google? How does that work? We work with Google as we advertise um, our brands, okay. right, in Google. We do not work with Google for jobs um, today. Um, one of the reasons why is we think it's very, there's a lot of strength in having a unique talent pool that we can provide to employers. So, you know, from our perspective, that talent pool becomes very important for us long term. Um, so where we think there's a lot of opportunity is that people are changing. There's a lot of focus around behavior. People are finding jobs in lots of different ways. Um, and they haven't found these, they're finding jobs beyond a site, right? They're interacting in so many different ways. So we're looking at how do we find and how do we attract talent in other areas. So, you know, a lot of a lot of companies, um, you know, in the past have been very dependent on sources. And so I think that it's up to us to find out, you know, how do we how do we focus on other sources? Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, Yeah. simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text uh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. 
TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> so speaking of some news items, piggybacking on the Craigslist announcement, um, there's been some news in our industry lately about, you know, sort of consolidation, uh, acquisition. Uh, you recently probably heard that Jobvite sort of backed up the Brinks truck and bought uh, Canvas, Rollboy, and Telemetry. <laughs> Uh, you see uh, Workday getting in bed with Beamery with a, a $5 million investment. Um, do you watch these consolidations and acquisitions? Does it impact what you do um, or not? Or do you have a general sort of commentary on what's going on in the industry with consolidation? I think you're going to see more. I definitely think so. I think that as you walk the halls of HR tech, there are a lot of point solutions, right? A lot of point solutions that are heavily um, invested in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think that one of the investing philosophies is you either start at the top or you either start at the bottom. And what you're seeing is companies like ISIMs that have, you know, gained a lot of traction, raised a lot of money. They're at the bottom of the funnel. And as, as, as you look at ISIMs, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see a focus around um, moving up. That's my prediction. Um, as you look at other companies that are at the top of the funnel, I think you may see those companies move down. But I think it's hard otherwise because you either have to be kind of this the sourcing product and the sourcing solution, or you have to be the compliance and applicant tracking solution. Do you guys actively look at companies to acquire? And I, I can't think of any acquisitions that you've made in your history. We haven't made any acquisitions. Yeah. So are you looking to make some of those or is that something that, that you don't yeah, I mean, typically I th visit? I think that, um, you know, as we look at our strategy, our overall strategy, I think, you know, it could make sense in the future. But no announcements you want to make today? No announcements. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so just the the first part of this year, uh, a major player, indeed, actually kicked uh, staffing in the nuts and said, hey, look, you're no more free. Oh. You're going to, yeah, you're going to start paying for stuff, right? How, I mean you're reaching out i would assume you're reaching out to staffing what's what's your message to staffing today it doesn't have to be anti indeed that would be my message but you know what what was what's your message to staffing uh because you know they're looking for ways to get the hell out they're looking for ex exit strategies yeah you know and and to your point you know indeed is a great product it's provided value I to the ecosystem that, i'm saying that because <laughs> they're a great product they provide value to the ecosystem yeah. um, and any company that provides value to the ecosystem deserves a seat at the table so um you know i, I think i, I want to make that clear um from our standpoint we think that there's a huge opportunity to deliver unique candidates 
and maybe unearthing these audiences that they're not currently attracting, right? So you think of the, the how staffing firms uh, generally provide value. The first way they provide value is I've got to find, I have to find candidates that the employer hasn't already seen. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, why do I need a staffing firm? Right, it, that's the key. I have to unearth these people. I have to, you know, provide. Um, I've, I have to find this opportunity in so many days when we find these candidates, and we provide that. Right, we can provide that way for them to reach candidates that they may not have ever seen before because they're spending their time investing in resume databases. Let's say, right, and so resume databases. What we hear from our customers time and time again is, I'm seeing the same candidates over and over. So we can provide unique candidates that provides a lot of value for staffing firms. The other thing is the idea of uh, providing value around performance. You know, this whole idea of post and produce, right? The ability to to just provide a performance-based product for them is something that's very different. So I think that becomes, um, you know, a, a, a way to provide additional value. Now, do you feel like everybody needs to move down that road? Because not everybody is right now on the performance side of the house. I think it's based on the customer type. You know, I think that there are customers, mid-market customers, um, enterprise customers, let's staffing customers, um, gig customers that we do a lot of work with, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, there's a whole new movement around customer acquisition and, and gigs. They they understand it. They understand performance. They have goals. They're metrics driven. It's more like customer acquisition. Talent acquisition is more like customer acquisition. That's very different. So, but for small businesses. Craigslist is a billion dollars. Is it performance-based? It actually is performance-based, right? Because people are getting outcomes off of Craigslist for $30, $50, $100. Or they wouldn't be paying for it Or they wouldn't be paying for it. So I think where some, I think where, you know, as you look at this, you know, we try to shoehorn performance-based advertising into, um, into different customer types, but really our job is to be a fulfillment engine. And I think if you actually look at some of the international players in job advertising, they understand that. They understand their job is to be a fulfillment engine. Whether it's performance-based, it is performance-based at the end of the day, right? Just not the delivery mechanism or the method of payment. So I think you're seeing that and you're, you're going to constantly see more movement around that. The international players that are very, very um, savvy and understand that they're a fulfillment engine mm-hmm. are the ones that are still doing very well. Let's stick with Indeed for a second. And, and you, have a, you have a very unique piece of real estate here in Austin. And a lot of our listeners will realize that you could actually throw a rock from your front door and hit Indeed's like Austin headquarters. Joel did. And to me, that would, that would pose a ton of really interesting like employment branding questions mm-hmm. because I assume almost anyone here could walk out the door, go to Indeed and get a job because they have experience at Talru. I'm sure Indeed has the same situation. I'm sure you guys see them walking around with their I help people get jobs t-shirts and it's very, it's very aware that you guys are both here. Sure. Has that been a recruiting, like have you had to have a brand separate from their work environment to recruit? Is this a different work environment than theirs? And I guess just how did you guys strategize around how are we different as an employer from the guy who's right across the street and our our competitor? Yeah. So, you know, we haven't had any recruiting issues or any any items like that. I think so no that... no one said, fuck this place, walked out and gone to Indeed. <laughs> That's right. We haven't had that. Okay. We haven't had... had no ideas are being given, Or the okay. other way. Um, He's writing it down, look. You know, as, as, I look at the, as I look at the faces and the audiences here and I have conversations, you know, 
we have a very different culture in that we're a small business, growing business, doing good work. And I'm not trying to simplify the message, right? And I think when you know you have a large company, it's a very different thought process, right? Austin, actually, if you go to the airport and you fly into the airport, you won't see a franchise in Austin's airport. They're all, in most cases, locally owned Austin businesses. It's because people in Austin, they believe in the little guy. Right? They believe in kind of this idea of Austin and you know, focused on companies and you'll see you know, success stories like Torchy's Tacos mm-hmm. and um, you know, all these other businesses that have been you know, very successful in Austin. And I like to think culturally, that's where we fit. Right. We're the you know, we're the company that's growing. We're investing heavily in our people. We've had a lot of success. Um, You know, we're 100 strong, um, but we constantly provide a lot of value and a lot of uh, career opportunities and everyone can make an impact. When we interview engineers and we've been able to recruit engineers from large companies um, like IBM, as an example, the number thing, one number one thing we hear is I want to make an impact. I want to make an impact when you're talking about a billion queries you can make an impact, right? Every person matters. When you're talking about the number of clients that we have, every person matters so much. And that so, is, and so that's so different. So when can we expect the Keep Tauru Weird t-shirts? <laughs> um, I think we can have one sent to you. Okay. Yes. Maybe Sounds for the next, uh, maybe like for the next show. Medium double XL, <laughs> thanks. Uh, so, so industry-wise, there's a lot going on. I mean, this is probably one of the most exciting times, I believe, in our industry. I would agree. So with all the startups and, and with everything that's going on, where, where your vision, where do you see this industry actually going from here? There's so much noise, once again, right? Yep. Where, how do we cut through the clutter and say that that's where it's going? Well, the number one thing you hear is automation. Yes. Automation becomes so important, right? Our automation that we provide customers is, hey, we scale up what works and we scale down what doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. you know, automatically. Automation becomes very, very important. And they have other things to do. Re- recruiters should be recruiting, not working on tasks. Menial sh- tasks. Exactly. That should be automated. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of value with AI, mm-hmm. right, in those tasks. Recruiting, you know, we always say don't take the human out of human resources, Right? You see a lot of focus around AI and chatbots and things like that. You can't take the human out of human resources. And so from a recruiting standpoint, that probably should be, I think that's where recruiters should spend their time, the human connection. These are the people that you're recruiting that are going to define your future. These people you're recruiting, they're going to define your company's future. Great people grow great companies. If you can't recruit the great people, you can't grow a great company. And I think that as you look at the industry, when you focus on automation and making it easier for people to find great people, mm-hmm. you can build some great companies. So you haven't read Circa 2118 yet, have you? No. <laughs> Peter Weddle's book. No, I haven't read that. No. I haven't either. Yeah, yeah, I Joel, haven't read that. Joel doesn't read. I was, I was curious from a, um, what you're saying from a macro level of what's going on in the U.S. economy, if you have a opinion on the global sort of growth scene and where you see opportunities, any chinks in the armor, uh, maybe that you're seeing in terms of, of slowing growth, what's sort of just your macro view on the economy and, and the U.S. as well as outside of that? Oh, that's a big question. Literally, macro. I ask questions to produce. <laughs> Instead of pray. Exactly. So that is a big question. Um, so at the, at the macro level, there's, we're headed for softness at some point, right? Um, we're repeating a business cycle. That's just how it goes. Now, I think what will happen in the labor market 
is there are headwinds in the labor market that we've we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. A great example is the gig economy. There are people that are working today in the gig economy that would probably have to have a traditional job three years ago. Yeah. So if the economy, from a labor market perspective, as the economy slows, right, and, and uh, inventories increase and the economy slows, if from a labor market, I think from what I can tell, the labor market is isolated because people are always going to need good people, right? Then you think of like the, you think of the hiring of, um, you know, high volume, right? You think of high volume hiring. Companies like Uber, Lyft, and others, um, Instacart, you know, they're filling a huge void right now. Mm -hmm. So even if the labor market, let's say that you know, the economy slows, um, there's less hiring at the cash retail level, cashier level. Well, people still need people. And that's a certain type, there's a certain type of talent there. Um, you know, I will tell you, I, I, we did a little bit of research. We produced a book last year around our first published book about high volume hiring, right? And we were thinking about this as we were working with the team on it. And we said, you know, what's really changed? And I gave a little story of how at my local Home Depot, I walked into my Home Depot and I said, how are how's the automation of um, uh, how's the automation of checkout going to change yes. how many people Home Depot hires? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, is this really going to change? Is this really going to change? Home Depot that has the automated janitors that sweep the store and I believe so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So they're seeing automation in their store. They're right? seeing automation. Yeah. However, they still have to hire people. Because now what they're doing is they're providing better customer service. And they're having to do that because of companies like Amazon, because of the online threat. So, you know, whether it's Tauru providing great service to our customers or Home Depot providing great service to our customers, I think what happens is as we as we focus on the tasks that, you know, could be robotic in nature or could be automated, there's more human connection. And whether it's a Home Depot, whether it's a Home Depot cashier or whether it's a recruiter connecting with um, a recruiter connecting with talent, I think the human connection is what's so important in all these in all these areas. So I noticed uh, in your solutions you have gig economy. What do you guys do, and can we expect you to be like a platform to bring employees, gig workers, and and employers together in the near future? Yeah. So today, what happens is we have a number of relationships with um, gig economy advertisers, right? And they they advertise like a customer acquisition scenario, right? So they're saying, okay, I want to find someone looking to drive for Uber. And so they contract with us and we drive, we, we provide them a driver. And at the end of the day, they're looking for that driver to actually start and actually drive for Uber in certain areas. And so what they do is they target different segments. So they're saying, I'm looking for drivers in San Francisco. I'm looking for drivers in Austin. I'm looking for drivers in, um, you know, Phoenix, let's say. And we drive them people that are looking, you know, to, to drive for Uber. So today, the platform that we provide provides them those drivers and we're finding those drivers and, you know, mining those audiences within the Tauru platform to provide value for them. So what didn't we ask you today that you would like to, you would like to actually push out? I think you guys are rock solid. Yeah, that's us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's end with this. For those listening that don't know much about Tauru that want to learn more about the organization or even you, where would they connect? They could go to Tauru.com. T-A-L-R-O-O dot com. Give it up. Thank you, Thad. Thank you. Hi, I'm Tristan. Thanks for listening to my stepdad, the Chad, and his goofy friend, Cheese. You've been listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on all the knowledge dropping that's happening up in here. They made me say that. The most important part is to check out our sponsors because I need new track spikes. You know, the expensive shiny gold pair that are extra because, well, I'm extra. For more, visit chatcheese.com. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Sela Shifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics than hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.